Welcome, one and all, to the Film Harmonic with your hosts, Noah East and Andy Ferguson. In episode 33, we will review another pair of awards contenders, the Safdie Brothers' Uncut Gems starring Adam Sandler and Greta Gerwig's new adaptation of Little Women. Plus, in our Pick 6 segment, we are ranking the six best action films of the 1990s. Leading us into the throwback challenge to close out the show in which I challenged Andy with Danny Boyle's 2004 film Millions, and he challenged me with Lasse Hallstrom my life as a dog from 1985 so andy i'm excited to get this episode started in earnest so what do you say we get right to it let's go Our lead film this week is the Safdie Brothers follow-up to one of my favorite films of the past couple years. It stars Adam Sandler in his first real dramatic role since P.T. Anderson's Punch Drunk Love, as well as supporting performance from former NBA All-Star Kevin Garnett. Let's discuss Uncut Gems. Uncut Gems. All right, it's finally here. Yeah, um, we we finally got to feast our eyes on uncut gems. Yes, we did. Um, I have multiple times now. Yeah, um, I've seen it a couple times. You've seen it both in the theater and at home. Yes, right? yeah. yes. Um, so <laughs> I, I I do want to eventually, even if it's not on air, I want to talk about your the difference in viewing it in the theater as opposed to viewing it. Oh, at we can home. talk about that too. We um, might get into it, but let's get into the to the real nitty yeah, gritty. Yeah. Where do you want to start? So uh, I guess I've already given a little bit away. I've seen it multiple times, so I don't yes. hate this movie. So you don't hate it. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you didn't uh, see it as two hours and twelve minutes that was a waste of time. No, not at all. In fact I'm can't wait to see it again. Yeah. Um, I got invited to see it again tonight with somebody. Good. So and you took the invite. Yeah, well okay, so I I, I had reserved my seat, just one seat for myself. Um mm. Uh, the Christmas Eve is when I saw it, and I went to sit down, and um, uh, I, you know I was going through the row, and there was somebody that I that I, I that I know, uh-huh. a friend slash acquaintance that um, had moved to L.A. and then moved to Chicago, and I didn't know was back in town, and mm. he was sitting like two seats down from me. And I was like, well, what are the odds, man? You're I, nobody's sitting here in five because yeah. my seat is four, but if nobody's sitting in five, I'll just sit by you. And he said, yeah. Um, your friend Josh Hall was supposed to be sitting in five, but he he uh, skipped out on on That's the on the movie and didn't show up. So the seat's free, and I was like, "Well, I'm sitting here then." Yeah, so yeah. I would have been sitting. That is a to, strange coincidence. Would have been sitting next to Hall, but instead I got to sit next to Jake, and uh, um, so he likes it like you, where he's he's going to see it again tonight. So lots of people are mm-hmm. seeing this multiple mm-hmm. times, which I mm-hmm. think is helping its numbers at the box office. Good, because it it. it did it did do pretty well from what I heard? Good. It needs to do well. Yeah. This is the kind of movie. This is an original film in every way. Yeah. Um, and this, I really hope that just the Sandler clout helps this thing yeah. push it even further. I, I have talked to some some people who aren't big movie folks, but have heard about the film just because they've been seeing a lot of ads for it, mm-hmm. and because of the the starlight of Adam Sandler shines so bright. That yeah. this is getting to an audience that uh, that normally wouldn't know anything about this film. Yeah, and A twenty four seems that like they usually do. They're getting behind this pretty well, but they're also they also tend to really push movies that they've um, already when they're bringing back directors they've already worked with, yeah, like yeah. Ari Aster, and, yeah. and now the Safdie brothers, yeah, because. Um, 
Good Time, I, you know, wasn't like a huge commercial hit, but it was. No. It's well regarded as a very good film. Yeah. Um, just generally by most people, uh, and I think this is a step up. Um, I got to be honest, you you know how much I love Good Time. Mm-hmm. I think this is better. Yeah. And then that's saying a lot from you. Yeah, um, but Good Time was my number two or three film of the year that year. Yeah, you like that even more than I do. Yeah. Um, but and this I, movie, I this is a whole different animal. Yeah, I think this is this is one of the best films of the year. If It, it could make a serious run at number one. I think it's a masterpiece. Do um, you? I really do. I am just about there with you. Um, and if you've heard anything about this movie, you know that it is, first and foremost, it... Whether you like it or not, you've heard that it achieves what it's trying to do to your senses as you watch this movie. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, my fiance w- was so stressed out at the end that she just didn't want, I mean, we couldn't even talk about it. <laughs> I had to wait a couple of days and I'm like, so what did you think you of think? that? Yeah. It just it was too much for her, and I and I can see it being too much for people. Some people, yeah, mm. it's it's cut from the same cloth that Good Time was, in that it's just this very insular experience mm-hmm. that just ratchets up the tension as it goes along, and you're it's just frenetically paced, frenetically shot. The performances are are you know, it, it's just it's reverberating the entire time. Everything and, is everything and, about it. And by the time you get to your to your third act, or even the end of your third act, mm-hmm. you know you've you've already built up this this you know it's it's like sound bouncing off a wall and the more that it reverberates it just it just heightens and heightens and heightens yeah. to this crazy climax everything works about as perfect as all things for a film can work on all ends i mean down to even just the smallest side characters being a part of the film and ingrained in the in the feel of the film, um, there's people who have one line, or maybe not even a line in it that you remember. Yeah, you know, it's it's it, that's the that's a testament to the Safdie brothers' understanding of where they grew up and and in pockets of New York like that. Well, and and you said something at, right at the lead about how original this film is, mm-hmm. and and I think that is a testament to what makes the film so solid is that because it's such an original idea, we've not seen anything. It's a story we haven't seen before. Yep. And for that reason, you have no idea what's going to happen from one scene to the next, which just adds to that level of anxiousness that that you're that intentionally the Safdie brothers want you to feel. That, and then they're getting another um, just brilliant score from Daniel Lopatin. What a what a um, score! Yes, yeah, and it's going to be criminal because it's not going to get recognized. No, it won't. Um, and much like I, I fear that Sandler's performance isn't going to get. That recognized. is the biggest. I mean, he gives the is best amazing. performance of the year. I, I, I think, think it might be. I, it's I, definitely I, up there. This, this, this is just it's, mesmerizing. It's so strange. His voice is so very different. It is. Like he's even doing some affectation with his voice mm-hmm. that is that's not. It doesn't feel put on. It it's, it seems really natural and well done. And there's been some people. Maybe um, some observations about his character, which I think is dead on, and I think it makes the character even more interesting and mesmerizing, is that he is self-aware of what he's doing to himself oh, and totally. the people around him, but, but he, he can't help himself. This is who he is. Yeah, and he's, he's not in denial about it. He kind of has like this, no, he's not at all, and he kind of has this like shark demeanor where, you know, I gotta keep moving or else I'll die. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, he's got to always mm-hmm. be in motion. Yeah, and know? if I slow down for 
10 seconds even people are going to figure me out yeah you know? and my whole world that is it's a very delicately built house of cards just waiting oh, to boy. fall down Man. if if i stop for even a moment it'll all come crashing down earlier than than yeah he's just trying to keep it propped up at all times so we haven't really even touched on what it even is about i guess we could do that just for a moment i suppose we can i guess i mean it's really just about a degenerate gambler who has a jewelry shop mm-hmm. um, in, in, in New York City in, in 2012 yes this Takes is place set in 2012 this is set in 2012 um, and and so with that we get to see Kevin Garnett play a role in this movie luckily he's still in game shape I mean it's only seven years removed from that era yeah. but he still looks like he's on he could get on the court and kill us all and he's kill like, everyone he's like Reggie Miller he's gonna look like that in yeah. 10 more years from now mm-hmm. as well mm-hmm. but uh but, but Kevin Gar- let's that, talk about Garnett good really quick. Yeah, he really only has like two scenes where he's asked to do a whole lot, but in those scenes, he's in a lot of is, the movie though. He is required to do a lot in those scenes, and I, he's very believable. I think there's there's well, I think which one of the best scenes anyway. Period is is when he does he's asked to do a lot later on in a scene where he confronts mm-hmm. Sandler about this opal and why he's doing things with it that he's doing and why he's going back and forth with it. And Garnett's pretty pretty he 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 actually comes across as a pretty decent dramatic actor in that scene yeah yeah and he's talked about how um you know part of his career like coaches would coach him on on many many things and one of them it was doc rivers that that really stressed to him you know um when you're going out into the press conferences that you know how to compose yourself Mm. and and you know put on a certain face to to the to the media and also you know when just at different things so he already had a little bit of like dramatic coaching mm-hmm. so then coming in and acting and having a director like yeah I, I, from what i can tell benny handles a little more of the acting side than mm-hmm. josh does having benny come in and, and kind of you know coach him up so to speak you know it was pretty already pretty natural for him so i think that lend itself to a pretty good performance it from is Kevin it's good there's 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 tiny bits here and there where it looks a little shaky he's not really sure what to do but it, it's not like to a level where you see some athletes trying to act and you're just embarrassed no no them. no it's not Shaq or anything yeah. <laughs> there's some bad moments with you know a lot of athletes in movies yeah that you can think of off the top he's not of matt head. nover yeah Ooh, nover even penny was yeah uh, Ooh. Ah, uh, here we go. Blue chips alley yeah, again. Got to bring it up. Well, that's, no, uh, no. Uh, no, so um, some of the other performances. Uh, Lakeith. I, I think everyone's great in this. Um, Lakeith Stanfield is great. Um, Julia Fox. Uh, Julia Fox and Idina Menzel are both pretty fantastic. And, and I think that what the Safties and their co-writer do um, is really don't – they don't leave – anyone out to dry as far as like attention um and everyone feels like like they respect their characters because in this movie you see the women and 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 what it's doing to them what what being involved with him is doing to them yeah and it's uh there's a tension to it it's kind of remarkable how well these guys write roles for women considering you know they're Mm -hmm. just some real like dudes dudes kind of guys <laughs> right. you know but they really put a lot of thought in and and fairly portray women mm-hmm. oh they're very smart guys yeah jennifer jason lee in um good time in good time very very same excellent way. role same way um and 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 uh you have not seen heaven knows what right no yeah. not yet yeah um I, I was really also impressed with eric bogosian yeah um yeah. And I know, I know it's I, really bizarre to yeah, see him in this. Like yeah, that. it's very strange, and and just how menacing he is. But mm-hmm. he's very menacing. But at the same time, um, 
even he's not sure what's going to happen. He, no. he's, you know, he doesn't have complete control over the situation either. Obviously not. You know, as you find out, as later you find on. out later yeah. on. Yeah. But, um, uh, even, even a classic, a classic, um, New York Jewish actor is in there. Judd, Judd Hirsch. Hirsch. Yeah. yeah. And he's so good in this. Yeah. He's, and he's, he's not in it very long scenes, but, but he is very good. There is a this. great scene. I think th- at an auction with him. I think there's only one bad performance in this and it's the one that you would expect. And that's Mike Francesca. Francesca. Mike Francesca. Uh-huh. Um, Francesca? Mike Francesca. Uh, the New York talk, talk sports radio host, Mike Francesca, who's terrible in this. Mm-hmm. But it, but he's not he's not in it very much. But I, it, it, maybe he's not terrible, but he's not that a, it, I just it, hate it, Mike Francesca. It's just a part of the whole aesthetic, though. You know, yeah. He adds to it. And, I mean, it's... I'm glad there's not a whole lot of The weekend in here. Uh, I mean, I, I do kind of love that, that it's yeah. written in there, though. Yeah, that, oh, totally. That our main character gets to have this weird, like, kind of, like, grudge against <laughs> The weekend in this movie. Before he's ever famous. Yeah. Um, but overall, I mean, like you said, you you are already on record saying that you think it's a masterpiece. I think it is. Yeah. Um, after seeing it again, and when you can go back... And already know what's happened and yeah. watch little things. Yeah, that's what I'm. Which you're going to get to do. That's what I'm excited to do. Yeah. So, let me know. Let me know what you think after yeah. your second viewing of this. What are you giving it? Five stars. I am. I'm at yeah. a five. I'm at four yeah. and a half right now. But I. I mean, I could very well by the. But after a second watch, be at five with this because I, it's on my, my. It's my initial reaction was that this was pretty damn close to perfect. Um, I love the genius of the opening five minutes, and I love the oh, way yeah. it ends too. I mean, there's just it bookended so perfectly. Yeah, too. it's and, and and one of the great things about it, like I said, is that it be, because it's so wholly original, you don't know what's going to happen from scene yeah. to scene. It's completely unexpected. It's one of those films that you would love to be able to go back and watch for the first time. I know, but it has this feel of a classic to me because I'm already thinking right now of certain scenes playing them over in my head, like the scene where. There's a tiff between Sandler and Julia Fox, you know, on the street. Uh huh. And then the the focus changes for a moment. Sandler drives away in a cab, and Julia Fox gets her own moment for a second, you know. And there's a score. The score is amazing, and she walks down the sidewalk and passes a line of people getting into a trying to get into the club. And yeah. They're, they're screaming back and forth at each other, but it it stays on her for like yeah. a minute straight. Yeah. Down her walk, and it's just like. It's a, it feels like a classic, I think. Yeah, I completely in, agree. Instant classic, and then I know that's a cliche. Everyone, but. go see Uncut Gems. Yes, yes. Our next film on the docket is Greta Gerwig's follow-up to one of Andy's favorite films of the past couple years. It stars Saoirse Ronan, Florence Pugh, Meryl Streep, Timothy Chalamet, and a bunch of other big names. A new adaptation of Louisa May Alcott's beloved American novel, Let's Discuss Little Women. Little Women. It is a new adaptation in a lot of ways. It's yeah. not just, you know, that it hasn't been done in 25 years, but... She puts her own spin on it. Does like, she ever? Like, structure-wise? Yes. Yeah. Especially, especially in the last half, I would say. Oh, yeah. Um, this movie... You know, I'm not a, I'm not a uh, big... Little Women connoisseur. I don't. I'm not deep diver into that world or any any of Alcott's stuff. Really, I'm not super informed on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I haven't even seen the 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 90s, the early 90s film, in I don't know how long. Well, I'll tell you this: 
this was my first experience with Little Women. Period. Oh, okay. I've never read the book. I never saw that any any of the other adaptations. Mm-hmm. This was my first experience with Little Women. Hmm. Uh, the, you know, I, I the only reason I knew that so and so died in in the movie is from that Friends episode where Joey reads Little Women <laughs> and ruins it. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, what do you say? Uh, this is a sophomore film. And uh, big cast, big cast, big kind ensemble of a, cast, a bigger budget, big um, budget. Honestly, this is a uh, ballsy choice. It is very ballsy. because if you screw this beloved story up, um, you'll never work in this town again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, I don't think she's gonna have a problem working again. No. Um, do, do you feel like me? Did I love this movie? I really, really like this movie a lot. I'm a big fan. This is going to be in my top ten. Listen, we are going to get another chance, like we've done so often in the last ten years together, to talk about Saoirse Ronan and just what kind of a treasure she is. I know. We've been talking about Saoirse Ronan for for well over ten years. Yeah. When Atonement came out, I was like, listen... She is going to be one of the great actresses we have. And then I saw Hannah, and I was like, oh, she can do, like, multiple things. Mm -hmm. Like, that's Mm -hmm. pretty interesting, too. Uh And we've just watched her grow up and become, like, a pretty, I mean, like a veritable powerhouse of acting. Yeah, and I'm surprised no one's really talking about her for anything in this movie. Well, I mean, there is, she's she's likely to get a nomination. You think so? Oh, yeah. Good. She's likely to get a nomination for this, but she's not... Well, considered a front runner well, by no. any stretch. I think she's fantastic in this I movie. think she's, this is maybe her best work yet. Um, I think she's amazing in this film. Yeah, she's very good. She, although there's quite a lot to go around performance-wise in this movie, she carries the film. She really does. Yeah, she's in almost every single scene. Mm-hmm. She's in the vast majority of the scenes. Uh, Laura and I saw this on Christmas night. And um, we saw it the same day as well, like earlier yeah. that day. And one thing that we both said um, after this was, honestly, as much as I love Saoirse Ronan, I think Florence Pugh gives the best performance in the film. I uh, like Florence Pugh a she lot. Better get nominated. As, she oh, she's ought, going to. She's, she's the get one nominated. that's getting talked about. She's more than anyone else. In this. I think Ronan's the best part of this film by far. I don't begrudge but you for thinking that. I do love Florence Pugh and. She's capped off quite a year. Um, She's had one hell of a year, hasn't she? I really, really, just someday watch Fighting With My Family. I, I knew you were She's say so that. good in it yeah. that it's worth seeing for her. Yeah, I'm so excited for her. Oh, and yeah. Honestly, everybody in the film is good to varying degrees. Yeah. You know, uh, somebody, I think one of our favorites, Tim Grierson, said that Laura Dern was better in this than she is in Marriage Story. I can't argue that. I can't argue that at all. I no. completely agree. Mm-hmm. I love Laura Dern in this. She's great. She's very excellent in this. The film. woman that plays the housekeeper, her name's Hannah in the film. Mm-hmm. I, She's that woman's terrific. delightful. And let's get to Timothy Chalamet. Yeah, you, you think he's tremendous in this? You know, uh, the last couple of things that I've seen Timothy Chalamet in, I've not been impressed. I'm worried. And yeah. I thought to myself, 
I thought to myself, "Oh boy, maybe Call Me by Your Name was a one-hit wonder for him." Have we pushed but, the Have we pushed the gas too hard on this guy? At first, yeah, is what I was thinking. Too. But I really like him in this. I think he's very good in it. Yeah, I, don't I think love he's very him good. in it, but I like him a lot. In I, it. I mean, he's not even in my top three or four performances in the film, but I do think he's very good in this. It's the right kind of Chalamet role, exactly. For now, this is the sort of thing until that he can, he can pull grow off. into something else. There's a scene near the end of the film when he's having a big final like blowout with Sersha uh-huh. uh, outside in, in like these rolling hills and they have this very long scene between the two of them I think he's fantastic in that scene he's great and there are several scenes like that, that scene. where he's really really good this yeah. was a really perfect role for him yeah this is the right kind of Chalamet role right now you can't force him to, to, to do things he's not really capable of yet like we've seen in other mm-hmm. movies yeah um, it, it, he doesn't have a whole lot of range as an actor yet. but but it, but he's the perfect guy for for roles like this mm-hmm. emily watson or emily watson uh emma watson emma watson yeah what, what do you think of that she's fine yeah i think she's fine i think she handles herself well in certain scenes yeah there are a couple of scenes where she does seem a little in on over her head mm-hmm. but uh, for the most part I, I i i don't have a problem with her at all in this i heard that emma stone was playing that character originally and in conflicts with the favorite <sighs> came around and boy and, that would have been good her scheduling with that and the, and then i heard that emma watson was originally supposed to be her character in the favorite the favorite weird little emma swap going yeah on there. i guess i'm fine with the way it worked out i suppose yeah you know mm-hmm. yeah. because the, i think both films ended up where they should have been <laughs> so her character meg right um uh-huh people who know the story really well were disappointed at how meg was portrayed in the 90s one i don't know if 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 your girlfriend said anything about this but my uh-huh. fiance she was like they handled meg so much better in this film really okay yeah, so That's i don't good. really know much about it you know as yeah. far as like the 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 true to the source material kind of thing but i guess you know, Gerwig is really pleasing a lot of of the big fans. Um, who's the girl that plays Eliza? Beth? Eliza Scanlon. She's like like uh, kind of like a, a emo version of Allison Pill. Kind looks of. like Allison Pill a lot. Yeah, she does. She doesn't have a lot to do in this. No, but she's um, very good in it. And you can see why. I'll tell you this: it. when I when when Bob Odenkirk mm. first came on screen, I was mm. like, wait, what? Like audibly, I I looked over at Lara and I was like what what is going on Odenkirk is in I'll this I'll tell you what's going on is that Bob Odenkirk's a genius and he can do anything Yeah I was he's I've very always good believed in it. that Bob Odenkirk's a genius Yeah he's and, very good in it Yes he's very very good in it And Meryl Streep isn't very distracting in this I, I like her just fine in yeah, it Yeah me too she's yeah. just fine in it I really love this film I think it's it's really funny Like I I laughed a lot yeah. during the mm-hmm. film and mm-hmm. that's that's the Gerwig of it all like she you know uh, well and let's not discredit louisa may alcott's writing but yeah yeah but, uh, she, she doesn't get too gerwiggy you know yeah there's there's a she fair still st- gives a lot of showcase to the m- material she's yeah. working with and there's a fair amount of humor in the film that works really really well the the like the more somber moments are handled with this really beautiful beautiful gravity Talk to them about alexander's desplat's score here it's very good is so 
good. It's a beautiful it score. It builds too, and man, the editing in this film is so spot on. Yeah, it's paced remarkably well. Yeah, for yeah. two hours fifteen minutes, it's paced really well. Because then you get all the Tracy Letts moments, mm-hmm. and that has a lot to do with the way that the film's edited. A lot of humor in that performance too. He's very funny. In this yeah, film. and and so the ending was a little confusing, but I think it's supposed to be that way mm-hmm. so that you kind of kind of have to decide for yourself, mm-hmm. you know, how this story really ended. You know, a lot of films in the last couple of years have tried to put focus on, you know, the Me Too movement thing and, and uh, women, you know, trying to pepper in scenes in certain films where it's like, L- listen, we're focusing on, you know, like women's empowerment and all that but this movie actually builds it in an entire film yeah and doesn't beat you over the head with it and then in the end it pays such tribute to you know to the movement yeah the entire thing that's what this the foundation of this movie is and i think it's achieved that better than anything we've seen in the last couple of years yeah this is a great film um uh, uh uh that shows you know the earliest elements of female empowerment. And, mm-hmm. and this is me coming as a, as a man, you know, right. a cis man, so whatever. But, you know, I, I really appreciated that element of it. And I know that, that my ultra-feminist girlfriend really appreciated that as well. Well, it's, a, uh, it, it's really a nice uh, time for this movie to come out, but more importantly, the right person made it the right way. Absolutely. You know, and, it, and I... That's one of the things that Lara brought up. She's never been a Gerwig fan, but Lara even said she's like this. She ought to be nominated for best director for this. Like, I don't, I don't know that there are, I don't know that there are five other directorial uh, uh, performances, for lack of a better word, that were better this year, because of everything that she had to juggle. Yeah, and, and and adapting this and this big ensemble and the period element of it, it all looks so pristine looks and it's great. paced really well. It's just it's a really well made film. It's really handled very well. Yeah, um, and uh, yeah, it's just another notch in a direction for an artist that I think is one of our best. Four and a half. Yeah, I'm at a four and a half. So am I. I love this movie. Mm-hmm. Awesome. What a great week for new films. Boy, has it has it. Has it been? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, we're going to take a break, but when we come back, Andy and I are ranking the six best action films of the 1990s. It's our last show of the year, so we're going to go out with a bang, stick around, or else. back ready for round two welcome back to the show on today's pick six segment we are going big 
Greg. We're ranking the six best action films of the 1990s, so let's get down to business. Starting as always with you, Andy, what is number six on your list? I was going to go with The Last Boy Scout, but the rewatch, although I really enjoyed it, Mm -hmm. and I loved Bruce Willis and Damon Wayans kind of going ham, like hardcore, like just having fun. Shane Black's script is so misogynistic, and it's just there's so many problems in there. That's what I hear. And I felt the same way, let me say this, about his script for The Long Kiss Goodnight. Yeah. A lot of weird problems. 90s were weird, man. The 90s Um, were weird. There were some misogynistic action films in the 90s. We're going to get to a couple more, actually, Mm -hmm. as this goes on. But what did you land on for number six? Instead, for number six, I went with a, um, uh, you know, one of those movies that may not necessarily be great, but I've always loved it. And that's Lethal Weapon 4. Oh, 4. 4. The one with Jet Li. Yeah. And then that's one of the reasons why I like it. Yeah. It's better than three, I think. I think three's the weak link. Um, what I like about this movie is, yes, Jet Li's the villain. Um, and he's good. With every Lethal Weapon movie, they add a new kind of star like that. Mm-hmm. Um, they added and a couple this, in this one. And they added Chris Rock yeah, as well. Yeah, because Chris Rock so is Chris in Chris Rock too. and Joe Pesci get to do this stupid shit throughout the whole movie. It's fun. It's fun, though, yes. They, their banter is great. Mm-hmm. So you get everyone in this. You got the old, you know, Glover and, and Gibson and Russo's great in it. Yep. Um, but there's that side plot with with Glover's wife being being this this romance writer. Yeah, that comes out of nowhere, and and she, they don't want to tell people that she's doing that. Mm-hmm. So then, it, within the 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 department, they think that that he's corrupt. Right, right. Because <laughs> that, that, that's where the money's so coming from. So much fun comedy, and they they up the ante in these movies every time. Um, I think it's done a little better than Lethal Weapon Three. I agree. Um, and I just have fond fond memories of this movie. So. Me too, man. I like this movie a and, lot. And it, I, and that's why I slotted it in above the 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 one I last Boy Scout when I, when yeah, I mentioned. Yeah, I was ago. really into Jet Li at this period of time, mm-hmm. like the yeah, late nineties. Yeah, you've 90s. seen more Jet Li films than I have. Oh yeah, because I was I almost rewatched Black Mask for this, you which love is Kiss a, of the Dragon. That's two thousand and one. Still, I'm just mentioning Jet Li movies that you've Romeo seen. Romeo must I die. Haven't. Romeo I must seen die. Any of those movies with Aaliyah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, you've not seen either of those. Kiss of the Dragon has Bridget Fonda in it. I know. And Checky Cario. Was he a bad guy? Like <laughs> every '90s movie? Of course. Did of you rewatch course. Bad Boys? Um, I started it and I was like, never mind. This is no, gonna make my list. I Forget know. it. Yeah. I didn't even bother. That's um, six for me. Well, six for me is is a a fun one too, and it was it was one that I rewatched, and um, this was a really hard list to make because there's a lot of. This, the, I believe that the 90s are the best decade for action films. Hmm. Um, I, just uh, um, both quality and quantity. <laughs> there's Cause, quantity. Cause there's I'd argue lot. quality on um, my end. <laughs> uh, you know, and, and something like Speed didn't really hold up as well as I wanted it to. I'll talk um, about that if uh, you want. <laughs> uh, it, yeah, we can get into it later. But uh, uh, So I went with number six with Face Off. Wow, um, it made your list. Uh, Travolta and Cage. And the reason that it made my list is you know, uh, is going to be a theme throughout the rest of this list, and that is originality, kind of <laughs> like what we talked about with Uncut Gems. Uh-huh. Uh, Face Off is a, such an original premise, you know? Yeah, and it yeah, lends it itself to being so much fun because of the originality of its premise. And John Woo... Um, 
Yeah, yeah. He <laughs> shoots this thing with some like serious Barbara Walters filters at times. You know, and he, my thoughts on him. He goes ridiculous at, at points. Um, but I think with with such a ridiculous premise like this, that that directorial style kind of fits it. And it makes it fun in the end. I have a lot of fun with this film if you don't, if you're willing to not take it that seriously. Because the film obviously doesn't take itself no, that seriously. That's, that's a nice thing about it. And so that helps a ton. Um, and just Travolta and Cage going all the way to 11 um, is a lot of fun. Nick Cassavetes is a lot of fun in the film. Mm-hmm. You, you get some Gina Gershon. I love Joan Allen. So, you know, Dominique Swain. Yeah. Yeah. There's a <laughs> lot of like supporting performances. There are a lot of fun. Alessandro in the film. Nivola. Yeah. Uh, there's very just, good in it. There's a lot of fun to be had in this movie. Uh, and, and, and the action set pieces are a blast. They can be. Wu loves like showing lots of guns, even when they're not being oh, fired. Boy, he does. He likes slow-mo showing revolving you shots i mean the, the film opens with like with like a gun on a table you know and just <laughs> him, the the daily minutiae of putting his holstering his gun and getting his his you know his vest ready and it's just i i rewatched um, it um it doesn't hold up as well for you that's never held up for me that well yeah, I, I, get I, it. I love cage going to 11 however i don't like travolta going anywhere oh, neither of so, us do because i i just don't think he's good in he's it. my least favorite actor period so. um it, it's it's I never have a bad time with it. Oh um, no! It definitely does work to Wu style better than Mission Impossible Two did. Oh, definitely. <sighs> Travesty definitely. that was because yeah. that movie wasn't trying to be funny, really. No, and this, this is this is yes. And this when you get Cage is. doing his yelling and Cage grabbing a nun's ass or you know something <laughs> like and just <laughs> yeah, <laughs> being Cage in the nineties. Yeah, it's fun. What did you have at number five? <laughs> number five for me is. Uh, the second film already for me in a franchise, and that's Die Hard with a Vengeance. That is my number five as well. Oh, okay. So we right. are we are on board here. Let's talk about it. Uh, you know, we've talked about this recently a little bit, because mm-hmm. um, we were mentioning Die Hard in the Christmas movies, and we were talking about how this one's a lot of fun because it gets to move around. and Yeah. And, and there's lots of kind of like mini puzzles within the movie that Jeremy Irons' character puts out and, and, it, and, it, and it's a fun like tour of new york in the summer it is you know yeah as you mentioned before the opening sequence with the music and the <laughs> shots summer in the city the shots of the Rock city and the way mctiernan has this it, it, it's not really grimy look it's it's sleek still but it has this certain look about it it's kind of grainy a little bit yeah yeah yeah, yeah. but it's got this very distinct look 90s new york look he introduces the characters really well in this one the way you get to drop right into mclean in an absurd situation with the sandwich movie. board yeah 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 um and i think it's just it keeps compounding on the thing you love about mclean which they've lost in in the movies since is that he's just he's pissed the fuck off? Yeah. And in this movie, he's pop, you know classic. He's popping migraine pills, and he's listen. I mean, I think this is the last good diehard. It is movie. because they went PG thirteen after this even. Yeah. And you lose it with that. You lose the iconic line. You can't even say the iconic line. Exactly. It's like what are you even doing here? Uh, one of the best things about the film, obviously, the buddy duo between Jackson and Willis is super duper good. Mm-hmm. But one of the best things about it, really, honestly, is how solid Irons' villain is. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. I think it's my favorite villain. As much as Rickman is, I, I do like Hans Gruber a lot. I like Irons a little more. He's my favorite of the Die Hard villains as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It's, Simon says. It's fun, uh, you know, and, and it, the way they keep getting in and out of these things he sets up for them is just always fun. It's well-paced. Uh, McTiernan returns because he didn't direct the second one. Yeah, yeah. Did you and know that this was the second highest grossing film of the year that year behind, behind Toy Story? I did not know that. Yeah, it was. Wow. 1995. That's impressive. Yeah, it's very impressive. All right. All right. Well, we both we both had the same number five, mm-hmm. so I doubt we're going to have the same number four. What's number four on your probably list? Probably not. Number four for me is uh, probably the least action-y of all these movies, but it still qualifies. Um, this The main actor in this movie was on four or five of the candidates could have been on this list, much like Bruce Willis or Arnold Schwarzenegger. Harrison Ford in this film, The Fugitive, ah. is... This is one of my favorite Harrison Ford films. Yeah, me too. Period. Me too. Um, it didn't make my list, but just barely. I just really like this movie. Oh, totally. Um, and, and then the cat and mouse between him and Tommy Lee Jones is what really makes this movie work. Tommy Lee Jones won an Oscar for this movie. Yeah, that's shocking. This was nominated for Best Picture. I mean, he's great in it. Don't get me wrong, but I'm shocked that he won an, an yeah. Academy Award for this. Yeah. This is the one movie that Tommy Lee Jones has been recognized for. In-house, outhouse, doghouse, chicken coop. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you get um well you get a great Joe Pantoliano as well. Oh yeah. As the as the um sidekick to Tommy Lee Jones in this movie. Yeah. Uh no, this is uh probably not the most known Joe Pantoliano performance from the nineties action <laughs> movies. No. Uh, but I think it's the best one. Um I just think that uh, the way the movie moves and the and the way the mystery keeps unfolding, it's, it holds up still. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's just a well-put-together movie. Yeah, it really is. I can't really say that the director, Andrew Davis, I don't really know what he did after. I'm sure he's done things, but this is like the one movie of his I can even remember being significant. Yeah. <laughs> but... It was nominated for num- Best Picture. Number four for me. Awesome. Number four for me is the movie that you just kind of referenced when you talked about Joe Pantoliano. And uh, I I had to put wow, the Matrix you, on the list, and it's four. Yeah, I had to. It's it's because of its iconicness mm-hmm. and and the way that it shaped action movies moving for better or worse moving into yeah. the the 2000s because it was from 1999. Um, and you know, 17 year old me when the movie came out uh, was obsessed. Saw it in the theater three or four times mm-hmm. with with me and my best friend Ethan went to see this a lot. I did too. Um, and, uh, you know, just the Wachowskis, like big blockbuster vision for the film and just how, how it's been parodied to death as well. It's just, it's, it's iconic and it is a lot of fun. Um, you know, some parts of it don't hold up as well, but it is very cool. It's a cool movie that's really well directed. That opening scene still stands the test of time. I, I, I argue, um, and uh, and I wasn't going to put speed on the list because it didn't hold up that well. Oof, and does I did it not. And I did think that the Matrix that Keanu Reeves needed to be needed to be represented somewhere on this list. <laughs> um, and the Matrix is is what ended up doing it. Um, Let's be honest. We love Keanu Reeves. Who doesn't? Oh yeah. But we can also admit he's just not very good. In, in, in he, general, he's not very good in a, in most things. In general. 
Yes, um, in most things. I think we forget that because of how much he's likable. Yeah, and I texted you yesterday, and I said, as I was watching Speed, and I said that, uh, I was like, I, I love, I like them in inverse proportions, but uh, uh, Sandra Bullock is very good in this, and Keanu Reeves is very bad in this. Like, I think Reeves is bad in Speed. He's, he's actually one of the worst parts of the film. The movie is actively terrible. Oh, I see, I won't go that far. I it's still a, think it's good. I think it's really bad in just, a lot of ways. I, I think it's really good in a lot of ways. I think it's poorly written. I think that the laughs don't land. I think that no, they're they trying don't. really hard to be funny, and it's just... Like, there's, there's the way they treat minorities in this movie is bizarre on the bus, too. It's like, yeah. he's like, blah, 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 blah. Hey, Gigantor. Gigantor. <laughs> and then get over here. Obviously, and he it's orders his... this guy around. And then yeah. he, he, the one Latino character gets handcuffed and, like, assume that he's, like, some killer because yeah. he doesn't understand what people are saying. That is true. But, I mean, listen, the concept's great. It is. It, but, man, I was just so crushed because I used to love, love, love this movie. Well, we're not here to bitch about speed because we're... Th- this uh, I is... want to say one more thing. Okay, okay. Sandra okay. Bullock is the only strong performance in the movie. Whoa. Dennis Hopper's... Joe Morton? Yeah, he doesn't Jeff get a lot Daniels? to do. Jeff Daniels? Yeah, he doesn't get a lot to and do. And I like Dennis Hopper in it. <sighs> gets so many stupid lines there's a moment in this where he goes there's a moment when they're in their famous scene at the end on top of the train and he says i'm gonna get you oh well yeah that scene is just bad and then since this movie's been out for 25 years after he dies and he's beheaded keanu reeves says she she goes where where is he no keanu reeves says yeah, but I'm taller. What, yeah, wait a yeah, minute. But I'm taller. Yeah. He's what like, I'm smarter. Say, I'm smarter. And then he dies, and he goes, Yeah, but I'm taller. But I'm taller. And mean? then they go inside. What does that mean? And then they go inside, and she's like, Where, where, where did he go? And uh, and Keanu Reeves goes, He lost his head. Oh, how about the scene where this woman <laughs> is pushing a baby carriage across oh, the street? Oh God! Oh God! What is this about? And they're, yeah. they're, they're building this suspense, like, don't hit the baby carriage. Like it's and an old timey baby carriage, too. Yeah, and and it's got it's full of soup cans, and, and then, she's all freaking out. And then Keanu goes, cans, 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 cans. It's filled with cans of soup. And he makes these facial expressions that are just bad throughout yeah. the movie. Anyway, well, anyhow, I took let's all. I took two thirds of my time to talk about the Matrix. Ended up being bitching about. Sorry, speed. I just. No, 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 it's it's fine. I was it's waiting fine. for that because it's worth it. Because it's worth it. All right, the Matrix. Yes, is was my number four. It is. So what's number? What's number three on your list? <laughs> number three for me is uh, a movie that, for whatever reason, I've just. I've been enthralled by every time I see it, and it's it's widely known as being the weakest of the first three Diehards, but I think Die Hard Two Die Harder Whoa. is a lot, a lot of fun. Blew my mind. You have this above with a vengeance. Yes, I like it a little more. Wow. I love the winter setting of this movie. Oh, that helps. Um, Patrick Stewart is pretty great in this movie. I forgot he was in it. It's been a minute since I've seen it. Yeah, he's he's got a smaller role. Um, but there's just so much fun with the whole the military aspect of it that and the airline aspect of it yeah, is a yeah. whole lot of fun um yeah it's 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 half of it's an airport movie uh, yeah kind of you know it could be could be 
technically yeah. an airport or airplane movie, um, yeah. you know, if we ever want to do an Air Force One list. Well, um, we, we're talking about doing an uh, uh, airplane list of films that are set on airplanes. Yeah, in the sky. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. Air Force One, I did not rewatch for this list. I, I thought about it, but yeah. but since I know that it'll probably come up on our airplane list. Someday we get to it, talk about United 93 and how good yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> I, I want to do an air... We're going to do that as yeah, a pick six sometime sure. in 2020. All right. So. And I'll finally get to see Snakes on a Plane, which I've never seen. Oh, God. Well, th- that ruins the why we're throwback doing I was going to give you. It's why we're doing the show, so I could see Snakes on a Plane one day. <laughs> go, uh, go on anyway, about I don't Die Harder. To. Die Hard 2, uh, Die Harder. Uh, I just want to give it a little bit of its due. I think it deserves it. Yeah. Um, again, it's hard R, which is what I really appreciate about the first three Die Hard movies. The yeah. violence is violent. Its main villain is really good, too. Yes. Die Hard, the first three Die Hards all had really good villains. Yes. And this one was directed by Rennie Harlan. That's right. You know, I forgot. Um, who actually would go on to do The Long Kiss Goodnight, which I just mentioned recently. Um, he's done some bad, bad films, um, but he handles it well here. He took he took um, a franchise that was huge immediately. And you could, know. could have really gone off the rails yeah, with this. Yeah, could have. But he kept it steady. He kept it going. He did. I'm sure it didn't gross as much as the first and the third, but I think Willis is tremendous again. Yep. Iconic character. Uh, my number three is also a very iconic character. It is also a an installment in a franchise in which I value this one a lot more than some other people, and that is Mission Impossible. I knew it was going to be somewhere on your list. Uh, yeah, I, I, you know me. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love the first Mission Impossible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have tried to get it even higher on this list, if not for the the, the top two being real heavy hitters. Yeah, yeah. But um, uh, I love love this movie, and it's it's. I think a lot of people forget the fact that it's directed by Brian De Palma. You know? Yeah, and I that mean, lends itself to this very like fun noir mystery vibe it's definitely the most noiry of all of them oh big time yeah and um another big ensemble cast with fun performances all around i mean emilio estevez spoiler dies within the first 15 to 20 minutes of the film (laughs) Mm -hmm. but you got kristen scott thomas and and, she's great and and john voight and jean renault who uh almost made it uh uh, twice on this list as well i can't believe you didn't have the professional on this list. We'll need to talk about that as well, okay. actually. All right. Um, because that is controversial. Um, and and then Ving Rhames. And, uh, of course. Uh, you know, there's just there's a lot of fun performances here. I rewatched this not long ago. Um, yeah. This one I just don't like as much as you. I like I know you the don't. film. I, I like know you the don't. film. I think a lot of the some of the some of the look of it doesn't hold up for me. I um, think the scene at Langley where he's dropping down. Oh, it's classic. In there, that might be the most iconic action scene of the decade. Maybe. If you ask me. I think it's it more so than the than neo dodging bullets or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, I think that is the '90s action. Yeah, I, I'm I, trying to think. Yeah, I, I can think cool. of a couple, but that are on par with it. But but I yeah, but I don't yeah, want to talk I about. it I don't yet. know if if they would break <laughs> it. You know what I mean? Yeah, like maybe not. This is very well could be it for me. I I I love the the spy and mystery aspects of it. Tom Cruise running and then look, we would not have Ghost Protocol and Fallout and 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 Rogue Nation and any of those things if it weren't for how well this was pulled off. Yeah. You if you had told people, "Hey, 
<laughs> you know, we're going to take this, this seventies action TV show and turn it into a successful film franchise starring, uh, uh an actor who's five foot five. I mean, uh, people would have been like, I don't know about that one. And yet here we are 25 years later. And this thing is still going on as, as strong as it is pretty remarkable i just want to note i was looking at my letterbox review from my rewatch last year and i forgot the line that i was so mesmerized by that emilio estevez says before he dies it says something it says um hasta lasagna don't get any on you yeah that that's early before he dies but yeah he's telling what? him how to use the gum <laughs> yeah yeah hasta yeah. <laughs> lasagna don't get any on you yeah Oh man, I, I love 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 this movie. I still have my ticket stub from when I saw it for the first time at the land landmark theater in Scottsdale, Arizona. All right, so I, I, I'm a big fan. 1996, um, top two now. Top two. Here we All go. Right. What do you have at number two? Um, number two is probably the movie I've seen the most out of this list. Um, I think it's James Cameron's best movie. I will stand by this. I will stand by it forever. Uh-huh. And that's True Lies. I love True Lies. This would have yeah. been number six on my list. All right. Yeah. True Lies. Or number seven on my list, sorry. Um, I rewatched it this week as well. <laughs> I've seen it many, many times. Um, it's so much uh, fun. I still remember seeing it in the theater. It was like one of those moments. I was 10 years old when it came out, and I was oh, like wow. being like unlocked a different world for me because pretty r-rated oh yeah it um, totally is i know there's some problems with the way the villain is portrayed and it's just kind of like it, yeah it's kind of cartoonish and cartoonishly somewhat racist and yeah. xenophobic but mm-hmm. but it's, it's like a caricature i've seen a lot worse from 90s action films and this so. is a movie that is a comedy more than anything else yes it is even more so than face off this is parody parodying uh, uh, action films mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so you know some some of this over the topness is so very very much done on purpose yes and it's done so well i think cameron especially in this movie he got, he got so much more out of arnold than other directors absolutely i don't know why but he seems to be more comfortable in these in cameron's films mm-hmm and he's really funny in this. Was this their first time working together? No, no, it wasn't. Because no, this was two after. Terminator films came yeah, out you're before right, this. You're right. But um, I think it might have been the last time they worked together. Quite possibly, because I don't remember seeing Arnie in Titanic. I don't know if he was in there. <laughs> I think he might have been in Avatar somewhere. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, it's 25 years old. This movie. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it still looks um, good. I love. This is one of the only films I love Tom Arnold in. I know, right? Why He's is so he so funny good in this? in this? He is really good in Why this. Why is he good in it? I don't, I don't know. I don't get Still it. to this day, I don't know. But he's um, very funny in it. Charlton Heston playing their boss. Mm-hmm. He's Grant fun. Grant Heslov. Uh, Tia Carrera gets a lot of fun. She's very fun in it. And then, But this movie is, you know... It's Jamie Lee Curtis's movie, but mm-hmm. also Bill Paxton. Paxton is a lot of he fun. He is so funny in this film. But Jamie Lee is the shining star of the film. Yeah, especially as the movie mo- goes along in the second half. Yeah. Um, and um, you've got uh, Eliza Dushku in there, too. Yeah, 
You sure Dana. do. Dana. No, Jump, Dana. Daddy will catch you. Daddy like, will catch you. It's not that simple, Arnie. No, it's you not. You realize what we're doing here? <laughs> and she's riding the, this like shattered windshield yeah, of, a, of a fighter jet. Yeah, it's like, okay. Down Just to the jump. Ground. Daddy will catch you. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that's that, But that speaks to the ridiculousness of the movie, and it just worked for me. It always has. Yeah. I could revisit this movie once a year. And There's just so many fun. fun set pieces. Oh, Cameron knows what he's doing here. Yeah, the, the bathroom fight is a lot it's of great. fun. And then the horse chase with the bikes that's and the really horse. fun that's a lot of fun and and then you Does all the, the way down to when he gets the sodium pentothal and uh, uh mm-hmm. the truth serum that, that scene is a lot of fun God, arnold handles those scenes comedically well he's too. like i'm going to kill you he's like oh yeah how <laughs> he's like well i'm going to use you as a human shield <laughs> and then i'm going to use a knife to kill this guy yes, yes. yeah <laughs> and, yeah it's and just, there's a fun sequence in a limo with tia career an action sequence later on on a bridge yes. it's fun that is a really like re-watching that this week this week um that was a really tension-filled scene mm-hmm. like i was even though i knew what happened i was still like yeah. ah come on come on cameron and, can make an action film yeah he really can and he, he knows how to build suspense and and and, and anxiety and in, in some of these action set pieces it's it's a great movie hopefully someday when he's tired of trying to reinvent effects will just be like you know what i want to hang out with some people that i've worked with before and make it just an action one comedy. more fun action comedy yeah, i Let's hope do he does it. it one more time well speaking of james cameron my number two is terminator 2 judgment day all right um and speaking of of perfecting technology you know this film was put on hold for a few years mm-hmm. uh, until they could perfect that uh, the liquid metal technology um, which doesn't, you know, rewatching it now doesn't hold up that great. Well, we're talking but, 28 but, years old now. Yeah, but 1991, yeah, it lo- it looked very good for that time. Mm-hmm. Um, there are uh, there are many many lists that would put this as the number one action film of the 1990s, including mine. Um, mine's number. It's number one. On it's mine. your number one. It yeah. is. Yes. This movie's fantastic, dude. Uh, I love this movie. It's so good. I love this movie. Yeah, it's so good, and it lo- it's so well directed. Unbelievable. It looks fantastic. Talk about, like you were saying, the scene with Tia Carrere and True Lies holding tension. This movie, the whole movie, I'm still to this day will get. The tensional build. The movie is one big long chase scene. It's unbelievable. That's what it is. Yeah. That's what the yeah. Terminator films are, mm-hmm. really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they what they do with Linda Hamilton in this movie, Sarah Connor, as opposed to the first film, she becomes like a weapon. Where in the first movie she was kind of helpless, you know. And, yeah, yeah. And uh, she's man, she's so good in this film. Yeah, that first time you see her and she's doing those pull-ups on the bed, mm-hmm. her her bunk bed is like tilt is t- turned over so that she can do these mm-hmm. these crazy pull-ups on it and she just looks chiseled. Well, and then you and realize she's no longer this like this wilting lily yeah. that she was in the first film. You she's, realize holy shit, Linda Hamilton yeah. actually worked her ass off for this. Well, she's the action star of the film. Yeah. You know, she is. Arnold's just a robot. She's the action star of the film. And and growing up almost, you know, um, close to the same age as Edward Furlong I kind of grew up watching him in movies and I yeah. always liked him like and I really wanted I mean in the 90s I was like this guy's going to be some some kind of movie star You know when people talk about how great this film is the one thing that they say is that is like except for Eddie Furlong he's he's, he's the it. worst part of the film he's no. so bad in it I, don't I think see he's it. good. I, I think, think he's, he's he's at times he's just fine in the film but there are several scenes especially with his 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 chemistry with with Arnold I think he's really good in this movie. I think that people complain about that performance in the same way some people complain about Kristen Stewart. Because he has this very Kristen Stewart-like 
yeah. mannerisms in yeah. the movie where sometimes people want to say like Kristen Stewart you think she's good she's kind of just makes these dumb faces in movies I think that's what it, like Edward Furlong does in this movie <laughs> but um, I that's don't fair. see it as bad I don't know I don't all. either I, I don't, don't either um, I mean this movie and Robert Patrick of course but Robert um, <laughs> Patrick is so menacing in this film he's terrifying unbelievable and uh, we can't get out of out of talking about this without mentioning how good Joe Morton is in this. He's great. In he's this. so good, especially that final scene where he's already been shot and he's doing the he's <laughs> shaking and yeah, and he's trying to hold. He's so the, good. That's, I think he's a very underrated actor. Oh, big time, I really, do. big time. And he's in a lot of these films throughout throughout the the '90s action. I had forgotten genre. that he. There's was a lot in of crossover, you know, like this week. Yeah, there's multiple Joe Morton sightings. There's multiple Jean Reno sightings. There's multiple. Mm-hmm. Joe Pantoliano yeah. uh, uh, sightings. So there's like, there's a, a, a lot of cross section. There were some go-to them. actors in those movies and, and directors the too. There's multiple John Woo's. There's multiple John Cameron's. McTiernan's and Camerons and yeah, yeah. It's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. So love. I, I, I know what your number one is. So. Yeah, I'm yeah. I'm kind of shocked that it's not yours. Yeah, yeah. I don't and, I don't or that it's not it even as, on your list. I don't see it as the great 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 movie as most people do. Huh. Well, I, I really like it. Jurassic Park is my number one. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it, it, again, it's a lot of it's about the technology and, and how good it looks. And this film just looks really great. Lots of fun performances from, from all the way from, from Laura Dern and Jeff Goldblum and Wayne, Wayne, um, Wayne Knight, Wayne Knight <laughs> and, uh, and Attenborough. Attenborough is perfect. Sam Neill. The kids are good. Joseph Bazzello and, and what's her face? Mazzello. Um, I just uh, uh, what else you got B.D. Wong yeah that's there. right yeah. <laughs> yeah it's just uh, there's there's a lot of man it's just I just it's it's a classic it's a it's a freaking classic um, John Williams's score uh, it's iconic the, and then developing the screenplay off of Crichton's work that that was no easy task um, at, at all uh, it, and it just it's it's the highest grossing film of all time at that time. It became the highest grossing film ever. Uh, it made almost a billion for good reason. I mean, even the poster's iconic. Yeah, exactly. Um, so tell me why you didn't have this on your list at all. I I really like this movie, but now we get to talk about a little bit. I, I'm not blaming this movie on her on her performance alone but oh that's right i spent a, a great period of my life disliking laura dern that's right i forgot and, about this and people and this is a good everyone, week to talk about it yes and everyone i know is like why in the hell do you not like laura dern i'm like yeah listen there's a scenes in the jurassic park film where she's so con- unconvincing i thought I, I was just like scarred by it almost <laughs> where she's <laughs> and and the way she runs even and i just felt I've always felt like it's a bad performance. It's really weird. And that's not the reason I didn't put this movie on the list or anything. Yeah. I just don't think the movie for me is that ultimate classic. I don't know why. I like this movie a lot. I do. And I think that it screams 90s action, you know? Sure. Um, uh, This and T2 were very difficult to choose between. Let's not forget... um, 
Samuel. Oh, that's Hold right. Hold on to your butts. Yeah, I forgot that that <laughs> he do, he doesn't have a huge part in this. No, but but, uh, but he's but in there. He's very important. Yeah. I mean, you're, we're talking like this is right before Pulp Fiction and right before people really knew him. Yeah, Pulp and this was really like well. the heyday of the Spielberg uh, directing, Kathleen Kennedy producing. Well, he, he was on a quite the yeah. streak here. Oh yeah, he was with this movie, the um, hottest thing in the world. I mean. And Dean Cundey's uh, uh, cinematography, this film looks really good too. Like it's it's really like it's beautiful. Uh, the outdoor like naturey elements, and then the way he lights the really like dark uh, uh, parts that are inside the park, that are inside buildings. Oh boy! Following the there are some around. scenes that the, the first the reveal of the T Rex scene is iconic. Oh yeah, that is a great scene. Um, and the raptors inside the kitchen hunting the kids. That yeah. scene too. The the fog on the on the breath of the of the window. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. The raptor claws walking across the floor. Boy, did he really blow it with the Lost World, though. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So let's talk about some honorable mentions. I know we wanted to discuss uh, Leon the Professional. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I rewatched it last night. Look, it is a very good movie. I haven't seen it With some really good performances. But it is also pretty problematic in how, like... Um, you know, it, it's notorious for uh, being a film that pedophiles love. Yeah, because of Natalie Portman, the relationship with Natalie Portman. The relationship and, and how she's dressed in a lot of the films. Yeah, that is well. kind of creepy. Yeah, it is kind of got this Lolita vibe to mm-hmm. it, too. Mm-hmm. And that is a little distracting, and, it's, and it detracts by, to how much you can enjoy the film completely. That's why um, I'm kind of scared to rewatch it. Gary Oldman's unhinged performance is a lot of fun. And I just, I do love Jean Renault. Yeah. Um, and and it's it's well directed, it's sleek, and it's it's action packed. Luke um, Besson knows how to keep a movie rolling along. He sure does. <laughs> he really does. Um, so I, you know, I, I, it's my favorite of Luke Besson's films from the '90s. I like it better than The Fifth Element. I haven't rewatched that in a long but, time. But uh, um, it, it would be in my in a top ten. I have a sure. regret from the list, and it's not seeing his um, film La Femme Nikita. Yeah, me too. Um, so, me too. yeah, I mean, Speed I didn't hold up very well, so that didn't make the all. list. Bad Boys wasn't was ne- really never going to yeah. to make the list either. Um, Speed Two Cruise Control. I just want to mention for a moment here because can't <laughs> believe you rewatched this. Oh, I can because. We watched Speed, and I was like, wow, that didn't hold up at all. Let's try Speed 2, Cruise Control. As if Jason Patrick's going to be any better. And I wanted to remember, I wanted to remember what they did with the Keanu character and like how they explained him not being around. He's mentioned in passing at the beginning of this movie as he was just too obsessed with danger and she couldn't stay with him. (laughs) So now she's with this guy who she thinks uh, is just a... Like a security guard on the beach. Yeah. A beacon of stability. But he's living a a life that she doesn't know about, and he's also addicted to danger. And he's Jason Patrick. (laughs) This is when Hollywood was trying to really push Jason Jason Patrick. Jason Patrick on us, yeah. So much so that he was the lead build actor in Sleepers. Remember this? Oh, yeah. The Barry Levinson film. That he was actually the lead in that. Lead in... The lead in a in film a with movie. Kevin Bacon and Brad Pitt, and Dustin Hoffman, Robert, Robert De Niro, De Niro. Yeah. Billy Crudup. I mean, come on. Anyway, he's not good in this. He's pretty boring. He's a boring actor. He is a boring actor. This movie has a decent villain in Willem Dafoe, but doesn't do anything with him. And the movie itself, unlike the first Speed, doesn't have pacing at all. It doesn't keep moving. Mm-hmm. 
And it's the same director, Yonda Bon. It's the same writers, and they seem like they're making an entirely different movie. It's really funny. Huh. Um, anyway, B- Bullock's still fine. She's still fine. Yeah, uh, my mom. When I told my mom I was watching Speed to get caught up for this episode, she goes, "Did Sandra Bullock win any awards for that?" And I was like, "No, she no, won mom. my personal Boof Award. She just won our heart. She's got the Boof look going on." Yeah. Um, I didn't get. To the Rock, I wanted to really, I really yeah. wanted to rewatch that. Yeah, I think some listeners are going to be a little perturbed that we didn't have The Rock or Con Air on our Con list. Con Air was probably expected, I would imagine. Yeah. But I just don't like that movie as yeah. much as most people. Yeah, the, I think both of those movies are good, but but I don't, I don't love them. So I had a lot of fun with my rewatch of Desperado. Yeah, I, um, I was expecting that Desperado was going to make your list. Actually, it's just not as good as I remember it. You know what I wanted to rewatch was um, The Mask of Zorro. Wow, totally forgot about that film. Yeah, just didn't get around to it. Entrapment. Entrapment. No, uh, I did one that came out in 90 that I really wanted to rewatch is The Hunt for Red October. Oh, yeah, yeah. But uh, you can't watch 40 movies in a week, I guess, so uh, we missed some of them. We didn't make it. All right, well, we've come to the final part of the show, the throwback challenge. Last week, Noah challenged me with Danny Boyle's 2004 film, Millions, and I gave him Lassa Hallstrom's My Life as a Dog from 1985. So it's very funny that we, that we, these are the films that we gave to one another, mm-hmm. not knowing what each other was going to give the other person. Would be a good it's, double feature. It's, it? Yeah, sometimes it really, it, it's just serendipitous how, how it happens like this, that we both gave each other um, un, non-American Coming of age little boy movies. Strange, right? And yeah. yeah, these are these throwback choices are never discussed. It's just we give each other a throwback, and yeah. it just happened to be very weirdly this time. And what's fun about both of these films is that uh, you know they're not totally like super saccharine or like schmaltzy or whatever. Like they they are they treat their the children that are in the film, you know, it, with as if they're not stupid. No, you know what I mean? That, like, that's true. That's they're true. very earnest and, and like quasi-adult films, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I, that's something that I appreciate about both of them to different degrees. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll, go, we'll go ahead and start with you and we'll talk about Millions first because I know yeah. you have an interesting relationship with Danny Boyle. I do, you know? yeah. Um, I think I like him overall uh, as a director a little more than you, you do. You do, you do. Um, but I don't, and I don't love the guy by any stretch of the imagination. I just happen to really enjoy some of his films. Uh, yeah, so do I. I mean, yeah. we both like Shallow Grave. Oh, yeah. I think we both have a soft spot for the beach, even though we need probably need to rewatch it to yeah, it'll determine be a, that. That should be a fun one in 2020 let's, that let's, we do when let's we... Let's do the duel. Because it's yeah. been over 10 years since I've seen it. Same. Yeah, that'll be a perfect one to, to like get to I'd like to revisit eventually. that. I'm looking at his yeah. filmography right now. And yeah, I'm like yeah. very split on it. I don't like... You like Sunshine a lot more than I do. Yeah, I love Sunshine. Um, now... One that people seem to adore, adore, and I just thought was okay was Slumdog Millionaire. It's um, fine, yeah. It's it's a good movie. Never saw Trance. Uh, never saw the sequel to Train Spotting. 127 hours is I like it. Is good, yeah. Um, but I, let's talk about Millions. All right, let's talk about Millions. Now, last week I said I have seen this before. Yes, but it's been a very long time. Yes. What I remember about it was not liking it. Yeah, because of his style of filmmaking and the way he just kind of listen i know what he's doing here but you have to like what he's doing here yeah and he really it's very stylistic in this this film he gets obsessed with certain editing techniques that i don't like yeah um and i don't like them either but i will say this in this film especially because it's about a child and uh, a big part of the film is the child's imagination Mm -hmm. um 
those editing flourishes, while I don't love them, they don't necessarily bother me very much. And while I'll say I do like the ch- the performance by um, Alex Alex Etel, um, it the style bothered me. It just it? it still does to this day. Very very hard for me to sit there and focus on it sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just it, it's it's like a it's like a flash show at times. Like it just hits my senses in a weird way. True, um, it can. So, you know, where I do understand what he's trying to do with setting up the child's imagination part of the whole vision of it, I just, he took me out of it. His direction took me out of it. Uh, tell, tell the listeners what Millions by Danny Boyle is about. It's basically about um, one family that doesn't have a mother anymore. It's two sons and a father, and they are moving into a new home. And a lot of time is spent with just the two kids together. And um, kind of the older brother really just being annoyed by his little brother a lot, doesn't want him around, like normal kind of stuff. And the little brother has quite a vivid imagination. He does, and, and that's established from the beginning. And he's obsessed with saints. He is, yes. Specifically. And so when he stumbles across a bag full of a bunch of pounds... Yeah, a lot, a lot of money. A lot, a lot of money. money. And um, like the euro is coming in to replace the pound mm-hmm. in just a few days. Mm-hmm. So this money that he found, um, it's going to be worthless yeah. in just a, a few days. So he decides to... give it. He wants to give it away. Get creative with it. And he wants to give it away. He wants to give, just give in general. To poor people, mm-hmm. specifically. Mm-hmm. His brother wants to spend it and yeah. stunt on everyone. Of course, yes. Yeah. Which he kind of does a little bit. And then, you know, it's not until like almost two thirds of the way through the film when we meet our villain who's coming looking for the money. And the kid being so naive and and just good hearted believes that he's poor and he wants to help this guy. Yeah. Um, And that's pretty much what the film is about. Yeah. um, At one point I looked over and I said, is this the wet bandit? (laughs) <laughs> to Jess because she called it the British Home Alone like an hour before that. Like, <laughs> even later on, it start the score starts to sound like the Home Alone score. It's like, dun, yeah, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> like, yeah, that's like, one of the things. The score is really distracting this film, and there are plenty of scenes where the score gets really big and like emotional, and it's like, yeah, you know, this scene could actually stand to be really quiet instead. But um, the movie doesn't do know it. how to show da- slow down. You no, know, it I mean, the pacing of it is. It, Ultimately, you know what? I like the I like the concept. I do, um, and I can say that about a lot of Danny Boyle movies. Honestly, um, at least he's trying to do something different a lot. Yeah. Um, but I couldn't get on board with this movie. I just, I mean, I don't. Again, I don't hate it by any means, but it's a tough watch. I don't love it as much as I used to. You did rewatch it? Yeah, I rewatched it. Okay. I, don't, I don't love it as much as I used to, but I I still like this movie. I'd probably give it a three and a half. All right. I'm at a two and a half. That's what I figured yeah. you would say. Yeah. yeah. Um, meanwhile, uh, My Life as a Dog by Lassa Hallstrom. Um, this is another one of those coming of age slice of life. Yeah. Films with a, uh, um, it's two brothers again. Um, their mother is very sick, and so uh, the older brother gets sent to go live with grandma, and the little brother gets sent to go live with their uncle up um, in another part of Sweden. Um, so let me give you a little, a, a couple of things that I found out about this film. Mm. This film um, was not nominated for Best Foreign Language Film at the Oscars that year. Wow. But it was nominated for Best Director. What? And Best Adapted Screenplay. 
How does it not get a foreign nomination? Yeah, I don't understand. It was nominated for Best Director and Best Adaptive Screenplay, but no foreign language That's nomination. That's fascinating. Um, this was the year, 1985, that um, that uh, The Last Emperor won everything. Oh, yes. So yes. everything that it you know could have won Last Emperor was sweeping up. But um, so Lasse Hallstrom directed this film and, and, you know, he's better known for directing other things like Cider House Rules, which was the second time that he was nominated for Best Director. So the the first time being for this film that we're about to discuss. Yeah. But he's also known for What's Eating Gumbo Grape and Chocolat. Um, and uh, <clears throat> he, he's he's a very interesting filmmaker, I to think say so. the least. Yeah. And um. This is a a really interesting film. It's another very, you know, precocious young boy who narrates this film. And uh, he spends a lot of time thinking about things that he's read. And one of the main things that that he spends a a lot of time thinking about is this dog that was shot into space. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) Which is so adorable. There's this, I mean, and that that setup is it, it's pretty um, not only charming but emotionally hits you at a certain point in this movie. I thought, yeah, it really does. Later on, um, you know, he goes to live with his uncle, who you know doesn't have a whole lot of money either, and he makes new friends out there. Um, specifically, one of his closest friends is this young girl who's. It's hard to tell if she's purposefully. Like, if, if she's living as a boy, she doesn't want anyone to know that she's a girl. Or if it's just so that she can play soccer. I can't tell. Because she's a very good soccer player. Mm-hmm. And she plays on the boys' team and she wraps her breasts that are just starting to show. So that no one will know that she's a girl. But it seems like most of the other boys do know that she's a girl. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a really interesting relationship slash friendship dynamic. Um and then there's this girl that he's really close with back home as well that he early on in the film he cuts his thumb and makes her t- lick his blood off of his finger. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he's like, "Okay, good. Now we're married." Hilarious. <laughs> this is very cute. The kid is charming in this movie. Yeah, and his brother is a total asshole mm-hmm. that is just terrible to him and keeps getting him in trouble for mm-hmm. stuff that he didn't do. It's stuff that his older brother did. Um uh, this is just a really beautiful movie. I have a re- weirder relationship with this movie in that I can't bring myself to rewatch it for some reason. So you didn't. It affected me so much. You didn't rewatch it. No, I haven't seen it in a few years, but it okay. affected me so much. I was so like emotionally just devastated by it for some reason. Yeah, that blows me away. I don't yeah. understand. I can't it's, pin it down. It's a pretty feel-good movie, despite I how think that, uh, somber it can yeah, be. Yeah, but it times. affected me in that way, that it was such a feel-good movie that it actually worked so well on me that I was like kind of useless after yeah. it was over. It, was, and so unlike Millions, this is much more of a slice of life film mm-hmm. in that not a whole lot really happens in this movie. We're just watching him go back and forth from his his home to his uncle's home and then back again and then he goes and lives with this old woman whose husband died and um he doesn't go to school a whole lot throughout the film. You know, there, he does a lot of Helping out at the glass blowing factory and plays soccer and listens to records with his uncle. It's just it's a real slice of life movie, but it's it's really beautifully beautifully directed. Obviously, by the fact that it was nominated for best director in 1985. Um, yeah, I really love this movie. I, I'm going to give this one four stars. Awesome. 
Good. So glad go, to hear that. Go check out My Life as a Dog. It's on uh, Criterion Channel. It is. For those of you that have that, it's very well worth getting. Get the channel. Um, now we need to give each other new throwbacks. We do, don't we? And I have a pretty fun one for you. Okay, go first. So I wanted to give you something completely different from what I've been giving you. And I've been giving you a lot of... We've been watching a lot of action movies, yeah. and, and I've been giving you a lot of either documentaries or foreign language films, so I wanted to switch things up um, and give you something way out of left field. I'm giving you Gaspar Noe's love. <laughs> okay. Um, this is, um, well, this, Wikipedia calls it an, an erotic drama art film. Okay. And I'd say that's pretty fair. Um, it pre- premiered at the Cannes Film Festival 19, in, in 2015, uh, released in 3D. So if you can imagine <laughs> seeing something that is this erotic and, and graphic, almost pornographic, mm-hmm. in 3D, that would be... That would be something. Yeah, you um, have not seen it in 3D, right? <laughs> no, I've only seen it once, and I only—I'm not going to rewatch it. By the way, I just want you to watch it. It doesn't this is sound not a, like something you would see more than once. This is not Anyone a film I have any—I have, I have any desire to see twice. As good as I think it is, it is a very good film. Okay, um, but it is not easy to watch. Uh, I just—I can't wait to to hear your thoughts and to discuss <clears throat> Gaspar Noé's okay. love. I love it. <laughs> no pun intended. Um, <laughs> what do you got for me? Uh, well, I've got one, and I hope you haven't seen it. If you have, I'll move on and, and choose another. Um, this is another one um, that, like My Life as a Dog, really hit me in a way, and um, even more so than Life as a Dog. I think this is this is a movie that really just like just wrecked me um is it gonna wreck me like i don't, I don't is know is it sad am i gonna get all emotional uh, i mean yeah, it's an emotional movie all right it's an me. emotional movie um i think it's got one of the most like top 10 scores of all time in my opinion wow the movie would most likely make my top 25 films just period i think and that's cinema paradiso i've never seen it great yeah I have a copy of it. I've just never Good. watched it. Great. So. Perfect. I'm into it. Good. Um, this so is, yeah, I mean, this is a, you know, one of those, um, this, this is one of those films that would fall into a category of a pick six that I want to do in 2020, which is films about filmmaking. And it's technically also a coming of age film, but yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Films. Of, yeah. It would be films about film filmmaking as well. Um, it would qualify for that list. Um, uh, do what you want to do. I know there's some, different versions of it out there um yeah there's some extended versions that are really long the 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 typical version that's readily accessible is just about two hours long is there a criterion uh good question i haven't i haven't looked because this seems like something there'd be a criterion version for yeah yeah hopefully there is i don't think it'll be hard to find it was streaming on netflix at one point so we've got actually the original cut of the movie was two hours 35 minutes then the international cut was two hours three minutes but there's a director's cut that's two hours 54 minutes i'll watch Um, whichever one i can find all right i'm looking forward to this this is something that's been on my watch list for a while and i've always been been interested in seeing just never got around to i will rewatch it you will i have to Um, good and you know what i think i might watch after it is a a film that i also have i have a blu-ray of this film that is was very much the this was the inspiration for, and that is Martin Scorsese's Hugo. Yeah, mm-hmm. 
So I might I might do a double feature of those two. That's awesome. I, I, I love that idea. I've had this Blu-ray of Hugo for. You You've know, never seen Hugo. I've never seen it. I've had. Oh, I've well been sitting on the Blu-ray for like years and years. So yeah, that would be a fun double feature. Although I don't know if you want to watch it right after. You might, but I don't know if you like because when I watched this movie. I didn't want to watch anything when it was over. Like, I, for whatever reason, really? especially the last 10 to 15 minutes just I see. destroyed me. Like, So you're not going to pair... Bulldozed me. You're not going to pair like, Gaspar Noe's love with this. I'll start with love, and then I'll watch and this. And then you'll watch this <laughs> to clean and up. And then I'll just roll up in a ball and dissolve in thin air. And <laughs> All right. I won't be back for next week's episode. <laughs> well, speaking of, that's our show for today. Remember to subscribe to the Film Harmonic on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a review and a generous rating if you're so inclined. Subscribe also on Spotify, Google Play, and wherever else you happen to get your podcasts. Send us your suggestions for the throwback challenge to the Film Harmonic at gmail.com. We will be back again next week with two very different films again terrence malick's new film a hidden life and a new remake of the japanese horror film the grudge this time starring some fascinating actors like academy award nominees jackie weaver and demian bachir as well as andrea riseborough and john cho so lots of lots of interesting things going on there yeah i'm kind of looking forward to that um and in our pick six segment we are going supersized to celebrate the end of the decade we're ranking the 10 best comedies of the past 10 years. That should be very fun. Yeah. So add all of that to our newest throwback challenges, and it looks like we've got yet another jam-packed show on our hands. If there's nothing else, I believe we will see you next time on the Film Harmonic. Neck brace. Substitute.